and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. So hello everybody. This episode is a listener episode. So this is going to be dedicated to questions that we have received via social media or via email that our listeners would like us to specifically answer for them. Yeah, if you would like to send us a question, can be about anything, or if you've got advice or a tip or a trick that you think could be handy for us to share with the rest of our listeners, please send us an email at beckantara at beuncluttered.com.au or you can also contact us via our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook. That's right. So we're going to launch straight into it and we're going to get going. So Tara, do you want to read out the first question? Sure, I would love to. Our first question is, and this relates to our uncluttered kids episodes, should we clear out our kids' stuff on the sly when they're at school? What do you think, Mm. Beck? (laughs) No is my (laughs) answer. But there's caveats, of course. So I always recommend that people declutter with their children and we I did mention this in that podcast but I didn't really mention why it's bad to sneak and do it well not bad I shouldn't say bad I should say unhelpful why it's unhelpful to sort of sneak because I've had several adult clients who have told me that they put their clutter issues down to an episode in their childhood where their parents took their stuff away um, and they found it traumatic and they have then developed a sort of a dysfunctional relationship with their belongings stemming from that. And although it's not going to happen to everybody, there is that risk that it does give them, there is that risk that it will traumatise them, I guess, for want of a better word, and make them then... Think, see their stuff a little bit more differently and perhaps hang on a little bit harder to their belongings. With all my clients, I recommend teaching them how to do it, doing it with them, guiding them and working through the decision-making process with them. It's definitely easier to just go into your kid's room when they're at school and throw away the stuff that you know they're not playing with, but easier isn't always better in the long run, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. When they... I think when kids feel out of control and this relates to all aspects of their lives they will cling on tighter so mm. if it's the same with possessions if if they come home and realize things are gone what is left they will dig their claws into for fear of it going when they don't know and not having control yeah. over that so and trust you know they you you lose their trust yep so that's the first question. Um, another question, next question is, do you buy souvenirs when you travel? If yes, what? Ooh, go Tara. Yes, I love souvenirs and they can be horrid things because it's that is your sentimental clutter right there mm-hmm. um, because you're buying something that reminds you of a time or has a memory attached And we've done a whole episode about trying to let go of those things, keep the memory inside of you and not Mm. inside of the thing. 
But I still love having a physical trigger for some of the travels I've had. So I try where possible. If I'm buying a souvenir, I will buy something practical or something that I really love. So quite often, and we did this a lot, uh, my husband and I, when we were traveling in Europe, is we bought either pieces of art or just simple sketches and we've got a whole lot of them framed on the walls in our house. So mm. it is that little, it, it decorates our house. It looks beautiful. We love them. So they definitely add value, but there's a memory associated it, with it as well. So for me, rather than buying a fridge magnet, I will buy something for the walls. And the other thing that I will try and buy is tea towels, which is very nannerish of me really. But <laughs> I think it's because... I go through tea towels. I use them when they start looking old and tardy. They become my rags and then uh, they make their way out to the bin once they're, you know, threadbare and, and have holes in them. So I rotate through tea towels and so I buy them when I go travelling. But does that does that mean then that you, are, you find it difficult to throw them away because they were bought when you were on holiday? I think for me... I get joy in purchasing something while I'm on my holidays and I feel like I want to take a piece of the holiday home with me. And because I don't have the photographic memories of holidays all the time, a tea towel is something that I see a lot more frequently. But mm. then it, like everything, for me it comes in waves. You have the immediate memory for a little while while your tea towel is lovely. Then it becomes a rag and the holiday is a bit more of a distant memory. And then oh, yeah. it goes. So I think, you know, the, the longer the time period between the holiday and the memory, yeah. oh, you can cut it this. It sort of loses its, well, it loses its, um, it loses its relevance. You know, it becomes, instead of be instead of prolonging that holiday for you, because that's kind of what it does, doesn't it? Is it just makes that holiday last that little bit longer for you because it's you're constantly reminded of it and then the further away the holiday gets the less need you have to extend that holiday so i know what you mean it makes sense you put that perfectly (laughs) one of the things i did buy which was probably my best ever souvenir purchase we were in scotland and i really wanted to buy some beautiful harris tweed some beautiful fabric from up there um, but I had no idea what to do with it. So I came home and used it to um, upholster one of the chairs that I rescued. So my aspirational oh. cutter, so my sentimental and aspirational cutter were united. It was brilliant. Happily married. So, yeah, well Yeah, done. now I have a beautiful chair in my bedroom that has some Harris tweed from Scotland. So That's hmm. a great idea. That's a, I really like that idea. I've immediately thought of the chair in my bedroom that needs reupholstering. So, you know, I think I might need to go to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can we uh can we do a podcast from over there maybe i'll come with you well that would make it tax deductible at least uh, yeah we could try <laughs> okay Beck. so what about you do you buy souvenirs yes but not many at all um i buy often clothes so i'll buy a t-shirt or something it doesn't have to have you know barley written on it but it just you know if i need a t-shirt then getting one on holiday is a really good idea I don't get knickknacks and trinkets and things, things that I have to dust or anything like that because I I just, I guess, spending all of my days 
helping people clear out the stuff that they've collected on holiday and seeing the stress that it gives them is a really good deterrent for me to not buy things when I'm on holidays. So I, I'm again, opting out. <laughs> I'm a big one for opting out mm. and I just don't bring it don't bring it home and rely on the photographic memories uh, and maybe, like you said, the odd practical thing. But just now thinking about it, there's not many stuff I've, not many things I've got hanging around that were, that are souvenirs. We have, we went on a mule ride down the Grand Canyon on our honeymoon and we got the, the little water bottles, mm-hmm. the hide like water bottles, and we've still got those. And Mick actually got one of them framed with a photo of us on the mules. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, my mum actually framed it for us in a box frame and it's really cool. I love it. And it sits up in, you know, our family room and I get to, I get to look at it. So that was one souvenir that, yeah, we did the same as you. We put it up on, on the wall, but I honestly can't think of many others that I, that I have. Yeah, that's good stop if you don't bring them in then you don't have to deal with them i think that's a good point yeah. so another question that i'm going to throw at you beck we've heard from someone on social media they would like to know how you do just decide where something should live if you're making a new home for your objects how do you figure out where that home should be well it's a bit it can be tricky or it can be easy but there's a few things to think of the more stuff you have, and this came up in one of our earlier podcasts, but the more stuff you have, the harder it is to find homes for things because you don't have a lot of room. If you do have the space, then you can just base it on a few questions like where will I use this? How frequently will I use this? So when you store something, it should be stored close to you if it's used frequently or easy to access if it's used frequently and then further away or hard to access if it's used infrequently. So storing uh, a biro in the kitchen, I just put one in the cutlery drawer because it's really quick and easy to access and I'm always using a biro in the kitchen to write things on the, on the I was going to write Chris, I was going to say Christmas list, <laughs> Christmas on my brain, to write on my shopping list. So having that there is really useful, but I don't need my Christmas decorations in my cutlery drawer because I only use them once a year, so they are further away. So you sort of think, how frequently do I use this and how close then does it need to be to this place that I use it in? So that's one of the things. Uh, Another thing is, where would you go looking for it? And I say this to clients all the time, where would you go looking for this? in your house and usually the first thing that pops into your head when you ask yourself that question is going to be the first thing that pops in your head in three months time when you're looking for that item again and so that's usually a really good indicator of where it should go so ask yourself where would I go looking for this or another thing where are its mates and I think I said this in the no room to sort episode (laughs) possibly but stick it with its mates uh, who who would it hang out with? You know, if you've got um, coasters, where who do who do coasters hang out with? Do they hang out with placemats, um, or do they hang out with napkins, or do they hang out with doilies? You know, if if wherever they hang out, whoever they hang out with in your mind, then you could stick them together in a close by home or create a home for all of those things together. The final method would be to just shove it where it fits. <laughs> so there's, and that like oh, professional organizers, any professional organizers listening to this are like, oh my God, Rebecca, that's just ridiculous. But sometimes you have an item that 
is so weirdly shaped or sized that you can't put it in a nice close accessible spot or you can't put it in you know an out of the way spot or really close at hand you just have to put it where it fits so for things like like toys I if you've got a toy that is a big bulky thing like one of those ride those cars like one of those you know those big cars with the canopy over the top of them you know there's you actually can't be really selective about where you put that you just have to put that where you've got the space for it so sometimes you have to as a last resort just put it wherever you can find enough space for that weirdly shaped or sized item does that make sense absolutely i think that's great i love to stick it with its mates you want to be like thinking about all my items and their friends who are your friends <laughs> So, uh, because we do, some people do this more than others, but we we can tend to anthropomorphize our items, and so it does actually. If we if we have that tendency, it can help us if we think about you know who would it who would it play with when it comes alive at night when we were all in bed. <laughs> yeah, see, I think that way about food. You know, like tomato and basil are best mates, but I've never really thought oh, yes. about my house items like that. But well, yeah, I've never thought great. about food. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. go. See, we're learning from each other. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Next question. Oh, here's a good one. We'll both have to answer this one, and I think we might answer it. We'll have a similar answer, but we'll have a different way of coming to the answer. So this one is, have you always been well-organised and clutter-free? No, I have not always <laughs> been organised. That's my short answer for you. I I've always been easily distracted by clutter and I remember things because it's end of the year and people have been sitting exams and there's been stuff on the news about, you know, kids studying and stuff. And that took me back to when I was at high school and at uni and I remember my mum would come in and say, oh, you're going to start some study. I'm like, I just need to tidy my desk first. And I'd spend an hour (laughs) tidying my desk before I got into the study and mum would be like, you've just wasted an hour of study time. I'm like, no, but I can't, I can't study. There's anything in my peripheral vision that is distracting me from the study, then I won't focus. So for me, I always mm. had to have a tidy desk before I got down to work. And then I was a lot more efficient. So I've always had that kind of tendency, but I was never always clutter free. For me, it came um, when I met my husband and we have probably moved about 10 or 11 times in less than 20 years possibly something like that Mm. and I think it came from handling my objects over and over again and when you take a salad bowl out of the cupboard to wrap it up or to give it to the packers to wrap up and you look at that salad bowl and go this is going to be unpacked in a month and then repacked in two years and then unpacked and repacked you look at your items you go is it worth dragging this thing around with me and unpacking and repacking over and over? Yes, I love it. No, I can't even remember using it. So I think for me, just handling my items over and over made me think about them in a different way and that has just led me on this journey to have less clutter. So what about you, Beck? Have you always been well-organised? Nope. Uh, I'm still not what you would call well-organised. I'm naturally disorganized I am clutter free though so I guess they're they are two different things and my space is organized so I've got really good control of my spaces I have homes for everything and 
and most of the time they're in their homes. Uh, I am uh, an untidy person, so I kind of leave a trail of detritus behind me in my wake, but I always go back and clean it up again not long after, so it doesn't hang around for very long. But I haven't always been like this. I've. It, it was funny how you said that when you met Ryan, that's when sort of things sort of happened for you and it's pretty much the same for me but for different reasons. And we've been in this house um, for over 20 years in the same place. So when you were talking about all those moves that you'd done, mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, we're the opposite. Uh, Mick bought the house that we're in now in 1992 and I moved in in 1998 and I've been, um, I've been in the same house for the last 20 years. So it hasn't wow. been hasn't been moving that has um, prompted me to get control of my space. It's moving in with a man who is very clean and tidy and particular. And so to have this chaotic person come and move into his house and mess it all up really annoyed him. And so I bought a book. I bought Julie Morgenstern's Organising from the Inside Out in an effort to clean up my act and so that he would maybe, if I was lucky, ask him, ask me to marry him one day. Mm-hmm. And I think the book worked because we're married. <laughs> but it was just the start of my journey, you know, by getting that book and reading it and organising my spaces and then having them stay that way. I was still, I mean, I still forgetful, still distracted, still, you know, I've still got ADD. I still have all of those things that, that all of those aspects of my personality but I do, you know, have great control of my spaces now after, you know, years of practice. It's definitely possible. I was the messiest child. My room was always a disaster. And, you know, mum was, you know, always at her wit's end about the state of my bedroom and, and things like that. So I, it's only been in sort of late adulthood. So... Um, you know, late 20s onwards that I've actually, you know, got it all together. Yeah, right. Well, see, this is my thing. Now that we're back in Canberra in our own home and the intention is to stay here now while our kids go all the way through high school, the thought Mm. of not moving almost scares me because now Ah. I will have to create systems to make sure that I don't, yeah just accumulate yeah Yeah. um because for me it's it was a really natural process to sort before we move and only put things into Mm. the new house that you wanted to keep so there was this kind of forced intentionality at every step where now i have to kind of um be really mindful of of what's there and not just pushing things to the back of the cupboard because they might not come out for 10 years well yeah and this is the thing you know we we help people downsize and a lot of our clients have been in the same house for 40 or 50 years and though they're large houses a lot of the time and they don't they're not cluttered like you walk into the house and it all looks neat and tidy and uncluttered but they've filled every nook and cranny of every cupboard over you know the last however many years and quite a lot of the stuff that comes out they're absolutely amazed at you know seeing these things for the first time in 30 years and they're like oh wow I forgot I had that or oh, I haven't seen that for ages I missed that and it's because they do fill up all of the cupboards and they all say to me without fail everyone with full cupboards who is trying to downsize says to me I wish I had 
decluttered regularly so that I don't have to do so much work now. And so, you know, there, there is that need when you are staying in the same place for such a long time, there is that need to create your own triggers. So you have relied on the trigger of moving house. And so now what you're going to have to do is create a new trigger mm. that will help you um, to to do it at the same frequency as you've always done but under different circumstances. Yeah, that's it. So speaking of clutter and holding on to things, Beck, how many birthday and Christmas cards should we keep and for how long? That's an interesting question that we've got. Yeah. I'm going to let you tackle that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for a start, there is no magic number. And there is no should, so don't feel obliged to keep things and don't feel obliged to throw things away. But, again, it all depends on how much space you've got. It depends on how sentimental you are and how much pleasure and value you get from keeping those that it's going to be your own, they're going to be your own numbers. So how many is your number and for how long is your number? But it has to be a helpful number. It can't just be a number that you arrive at because any other number makes you anxious. It actually has to be a, um, a helpful number. So you can maybe set yourself a boundary that is helpful for the amount of space you have in your home and then stick to that boundary. There are some people who love to open up boxes of old Christmas cards and read through them. But if I'm going to be completely honest, most of the people who do keep them all don't look at them because they don't, they have so many that they don't store them. They don't have the ability to store them in a way that enables them to then enjoy them. So they're storing them for enjoyment that never comes. So you have to also be quite careful that when you are thinking about how long you're going to keep something and what you're going to keep is how much am I actually going to enjoy this? Yeah. I think I think you need to ask yourself too, will my future self thank me for holding on to this or mm. begrudge me holding on to this? I was with a client just yesterday and she happened upon her son's second birthday cards all in a pile with a rubber band around them. Mm. And she said, oh, I don't know what to do with these. He is just about to turn five. So it's been a few years and she's had them sitting there and has not done anything with them. And I said to her, well, if you, if your mum arrived at the house today and gave you a scrapbook with all the birthday cards from your second birthday in, would you want them? Would you care about them? And she said, mm. no. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure he will feel the exact same way. So I said, I don't know that if there's a really, if there's a special card with a special message from someone that you mm. think he would really love down the track to revisit, absolutely keep it or take a photo of it for him. But yeah. I said, I don't know that the cards that say to little boy from Nana, you know, that doesn't really mean anything. So with her, mm. like we discussed with the Christmas cards last week, um, we decided to keep the fronts of some of the cards, put them in his craft box so that he can cut out the pictures and stick them to paper yeah. and, and have a bit of a, a play with them before they get put in the recycling but all the backs went in the recycling and I said to her maybe keep that in mind from now on after birthdays are finished have a quick look through the cards and then Mm. maybe pop them in the recycling say goodbye 
What I do is keep a box of them and I put, keep putting every single card that we receive, it goes on display for a while and then when I get sick of looking at them, they go away. And it could be one month, could be three, depending how busy I am. <laughs> and then they go into that box and then when that box is full, I go through and I cull ones that aren't that, you know, um, aren't that special and I save the ones that are and I've got a box, an archive box per child in up in a wardrobe and it's got A4 Ziploc bags in it with the years of their ages and the cards in there of that age. When that box becomes full, I'll go through it again and I'll prune all of the ones that are no longer special and um, so that's sort of the one box of those kinds of things that my kids are going to have to make decisions about when they're adults and so that's pretty much my process and every time I go you know to um, put them in there I'm reassessing their importance and, and how special they are and as the box will get full uh, I'll be able to then cull again um, and just keep it at one box only that's that's what I do. Well, that's good. This is probably the first time where I can say that you've kept something and I've opted out. I never get to say <laughs> opt out. That's always you that opts out. I opt out of keeping cards. Well we done. don't keep any anymore. Yep. And now we actively encourage all our family and friends. We still get Christmas cards and um, some birthday cards from overseas, which are lovely. But if they're people that we're going to see, I will say, Dad, please don't buy the girls a birthday card unless there's something that you really want to a special message you want to put in there if it's just yeah. going to say to Sienna from Pop, just pop it on a gift tag or even better, take a pen and write it on the pa packaging yeah. <laughs> because because it's not necessary and because we don't keep them. And now cards can be, you know, five, six, ten dollars yes. depending on them. I'm like, They're I so really expensive. don't want you to go and buy yourself a nice coffee. Don't spend that money on a card that I can tell you now will be in our yeah. house for less than twenty four hours before it's in the recycling. So <laughs> Yep. You're real brutal. I am. Uh, I, but I think it's because my mum gave me, when I moved out of home, like scrapbooks of every worth. card, yeah. every card oh. from the day I was born, my christening <laughs> and every birthday. And I lugged these things around and then I was like, I'm sorry, I have no interest. And <laughs> they all went and then I was like, I'm not going to give my kids that same thing. So I started mm. early and got rid of them. Mm. Hmm. there you go and that's it's an, i've often said to clients you know who are you keeping these for if you're keeping them for you then that's cool but if you're keeping it for them the chances of them wanting it might not be very high and there are some kids that the parents do know that they're sentimental and they they're aware of that already because some kids are quite obviously have sentimental personalities yep. but you know if you are keeping it for the child just this generation um we, we it's really quite interesting that we're seeing a bit of a movement uh, amongst the younger generation of, you know, digital nomads and they they tend to not feel comfortable being tied down to anything and having to cart around boxes of memorabilia from their childhood is not going to appeal to them at all. And I'm generalising, there's obviously going to be exceptions, but just a general rule, they tend to just don't want stuff anymore and this is why all of the the boomers and um the third age people retiring and and downsizing and they're finding that their kids and their grandkids and their great grandkids don't want their stuff mm, so right. think about that before you keep something because they're probably not going to want it mm. the next question tara actually 
what we've just said then, what we've been discussing actually segues really nicely into the next question, which I'm going to ask of you to answer. Um, and that is, do you have any sentimental clutter that you are struggling to part with? Yes, I do. I'd love to say no, I'm perfect, <laughs> but I'm a long way from perfect. And I think that's something that's probably quite key to let all you lovely listeners out there know is that Beck and I are a long way from perfection. We hey, spend a lot of time. <laughs> we spend a lot of time honing our skills, and obviously <laughs> trying to impart those skills and knowledges. Knowledge is great English knowledge to other people. Do you want me to say that again? We spend a lot of time trying to impart those skills and knowledge to other people, but we are on this constant journey ourselves. So we are always Mm. revisiting things that we own. And like you said, being in the house that you're in for 20 years, you can't just make a decision, pop it away and leave it. You have to revisit things. And your relationship with that thing that you have kept might have changed over time. And you might look at it differently now and decide to part with it. One thing for me that I have, which I can hands up admit I'm struggling to deal with, is I have this great big timber beautiful timber box frame and I'm talking pretty huge it's probably almost a meter by Mm. half a meter timber box frame and it has got a beautiful portrait in there of my great-grandmother and her parents and it's one of those Mm. um, it's like an oval shaped portrait which is um, curved you know it's like a Oh, yes. Yeah, my mum's got one of my dad's father. Mm. And it's beautiful, but I never met my great-grandmother. Her name was Maud, and I hear that she's lovely, but I I have no (laughs) memory of her. Um, Certainly don't have any memory of her parents. And I think I was given this by my granddad because I showed an interest in the frame, I think, originally, thinking that the frame was quite cool. Hmm. and the picture's a little bit moth-eaten around the edges but not the faces so it could be very easily restored. Now, this has come with me on several moves and I'm really struggling to part with Hmm. it because it doesn't add value. I don't even know if I can say that I love it. I certainly don't need it or use it. Mm. Um, it has been hanging in the garage. So that's kind of an indication of its level of value. But I have this overwhelming feeling that I'm a custodian of this. I haven't seen many other pictures of my great-grandmother and certainly not as young as she was in this picture. She's probably um, somewhere between about 12 and 15, I think. And I feel like if I part with this, that might be the end of... The memories of her or the end of her existence in terms of you know mm. the objects that are left on this earth to remind future generations that she was here and this is something that I really struggle with and I keep telling myself just pay the money get it restored and hang it in your house but when I've got pictures like we talked about the art that I've bought overseas mm. um, I've got my own family photos photos of my children photos of my grandparents that I'm really fond of they're the pictures that I want to be looking at, not a, a picture that is very beautiful but which doesn't hold any true memory for me. So that's something that I'm really stuck on and I'm hoping that at some point I'll find a bit of clarity and make a decision. But that's that's my my bit of sentimental clutter that is a that I have as a bit of a roadblock. 
What about you, Vic? You got any anything that you are stuck with? Um, not too many. I did have like Dad's wardrobe, which I've talked about in the sentimental episode, which I had to part with. But as far as clutter goes, I don't really have many. I'm actually sitting right now sitting in my lounge room and I'm looking across the room and there is a wooden ironing board, a child's toy ironing board and iron that my dad made. And I've been thinking about repurposing that because it sort of sits there. And now with my my latest plant obsession, I've decided while you were talking, I looked over at that and I thought I'm going to use that <laughs> as a plant table. <laughs> so um, I've, you just gave me inspiration when when struggling with your own with your own thing, but uh, I just came up with a use for that. But so yeah, there's there's that which has been hanging around, but now that's going to be used. I don't know what I'll do with the iron though, um, but that can sit underneath it maybe when I put the plants on top of the little ironing board. I did used to struggle with baby clothes, and then I went through and got rid of most of them and kept some special favorites so there's a space bag up in the wardrobe of baby clothes and you know my like I just said before probably my children are going to be like oh yeah whatever when I present that to them when they leave home (laughs) or when they have their own children but I'm just I'm keeping them anyway because yeah that's I would struggle uh, to part with those so it's it's a keeping decision that I have made one thing you you have been able to deal with though Tara and we've been meaning to to tell people on this podcast about that but your mum's your mum's wedding dress when we talked about that one you went and did something after the episode we recorded didn't you yeah it was something that i knew existed but hadn't really brought it to the forefront of my mind until you said something about the organization angel gowns and for those of you that aren't familiar there's this wonderful organization in Australia run completely by volunteers and they take used wedding dresses and take all the beautiful lace and the trim and the tulle from wedding dresses and they create gowns for babies that are either stillborn or that have been born very prematurely and passed away and because quite often you can't find clothing for really tiny preemie babies Um, and especially not the kind of beautiful lavish gowns that you would want to dress your baby in for the very last time when you say goodbye. Mm. And so this company or organisation will make and supply these beautiful angel gowns to hospitals and funeral homes and places like that. Um, And so when you mentioned that in that Sentimental Clutter episode, it kind of sparked something I thought that's exactly what I should do with my mum's wedding dress because I had been holding on to it debating whether I should let it go and but how I should let it go mm. and I thought that's that's just perfect and I called them and just for the month of October they were accepting donations and now they have closed again and will not be accepting donations for probably the next 12 months because they get quite overwhelmed wow. um but I got, I sent my mum's dress off and I got, it was lovely. I did a little post about it on Instagram and Facebook and I got some really lovely messages from some of my mum's close friends as well saying oh, nice. your mum would have been absolutely thrilled with the idea that that's where her wedding dress went. And yeah. um, and then I got a lovely note back from Angel Gowns Australia too saying thank you and we'll honour your mum by making a beautiful dress and that kind of thing. So it was 
it was really lovely and really fitting and like the most amazing closure for something that I had been carrying around, lugging around through all these moves with me, Mm. knowing that its purpose wasn't just to sit in my cupboard under my stairs but to um, that there would be another life for it but I hadn't quite figured out what. So thank you for your suggestion, Beck, because that was perfect. You're welcome. I'm glad that it um, worked out so well. And I, I'm now that you've talked about it, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe once they've waited the 12 months, <laughs> some of our listeners might be inspired to do the same thing. Yeah, look, what I'll do is I'll, I follow them now on Instagram. So when they open again, I will let you know in our episodes so that any of you that mm. are thinking of parting with your wedding dresses could, um, could get in contact. You just fill out a simple form. They've got a couple of requirements. You have to wash your gowns first and things like that before you send them off. And then I cut the lace cuff off of my mum's gown and I'm using that now as a bookmark. So they said oh, if there's anything lovely. Yeah, if there's anything you want to keep that you take a piece of it beforehand because they can't send anything back to you. But so I just kept that little slip and it's perfect because now it's in my book. I love that. That's awesome. I wouldn't have thought to take a little piece off but that's a really good idea hmm. and I thought one day down the track possibly if either of my girls wanted to to use a bit of it um in their dress or in their bouquet or something then I've got a little piece uh, of it there too mm. yeah yeah oh cool so I think that pretty much rounds us off that's what have we answered there six of your quiz oh, Christians goodness me <laughs> 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 I can't talk. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in. (laughs) I'll just untie my lips and try again. Okay. That's our listener questions answered, but we would love to get some more from you or some tips and tricks that we can share as well because we will definitely do another one of these listener question episodes down the track, won't we, Beck? Yeah, they're good fun. They they appeal to my need for variety. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All these different topics in the one in the one episode is fun for me. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please subscribe or leave a review or a rating. Please feel free to tell your friends about us if they too would like to be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our personal pages at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.